Kate Fennessy's trying to write a novel, and Helen Brown's going to help her. Welcome to our podcast, Novel Therapy, the first time writer's clinic. Hi everyone and welcome to episode 8 eight of Novel Therapy. I'm Kate Fennessy, aspiring author and social media marketer. And I'm New York Times bestselling author Helen Brown. In sensational, is it cherry red? It's Someone said it's um, burnt, no it's not yeah. burnt orange, blood orange. Yes, in sensational blood orange red today. And little cat earrings. Oh yeah, that Yeah, really and, and a candle lit in honour oh. of... A very special cat. Yeah, yes. We're going to get to that today. Yeah. Um, so first things first, we'll do our, us- our usual checkup because this is a clinic. So when we get to the clinic, we like to just check in with each other um, and talk about what we've been doing, what's been happening. Um, so let's go to you, Helen, because you have had a really massive week. And well, I-, I have. Yeah, it's been I've had lots of media exposure I wrote a couple of articles that have been in all the national papers in Australia and one in the Sunday Star Times in New Zealand and the response has been just I cannot use that word Mm. but it has been (laughs) people have been absolutely touching my heart with so many of their connections that they have to what I write about their stories of loss and how animals and reading has helped them and it's been just wonderful and yeah and also I've been trying to find clothes because I'm on book tour in about Mm. a week so I've been shopping like crazy and I can't find a single thing it's all (laughs) leopard skin (laughs) there's a lot of leopard print out there it's one of the things we discussed at the birth of this podcast was the dirge is that the right word the no, too many. It's like a, a plague oh, sorry. of leopard skin. Yes, it's a yeah. plague. Yes. Yeah. But it's... no, don't worry if you're wearing leopard skin because <laughs> I actually have a little bit of leopard skin. But so it's... do I. We can't avoid it. <laughs> it's become the new neutral. That's the problem. Is that what it is? That's what it is. Oh. It was declared by someone somewhere as a new neutral basic. Oh, gosh. And a lot oh. of the main sort of fashion brands that women go to, like Witchery and yes. Seed and Country Road, they yeah. all have Oh, Country Road, not so much. But yeah, they, ha- they all have it. I noticed. It's everywhere. And there's even blue leopard skin. Did you ever meet a blue leopard? (laughs) There's all sorts. They're in gym pants as well, like Pilates pants. Oh, well, yeah. Yeah, I can't wait. Yes. But, yeah, so the the launch, the official launch was Monday. Yesterday. No, Tuesday. Yesterday. Yesterday. And it was kind of quiet. It was a bit of an anti-climax. Was it? And Philip and I went out for dinner in our favourite French restaurant over there, Bristow Terry, where they treat us like it's home. It's so nice. And we had a glass of champagne. Oh, that's and, lovely. Yeah, and we toasted Sam because, you know, he's always with us. Yeah, mm. and for those who haven't um, either seen the seen the links we've shared, we've shared a link in the group, but basically it's kind of the kids' version of, of your adult book, Cleo, which yeah, was how I've learned to not say adult book. Okay. Because <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, true. Book for grown-ups. <laughs> yeah, nice. That's important. Oh, always yeah. learning. But there's some wonderful – There's yeah, the articles out there by Helen, I really encourage you to read just in terms of the different angles she's approached it with um, why she felt the need to tell this story in the form of a children's book. You can see it behind us, beautifully illustrated by Phoebe Morris, who's yes. a young New Zealand illustrator. Um, who hopefully I'll be meeting next week. Next week. Yeah, because there's all these things happening. So I think, um, again, if you're on the Facebook group, 
slash on Helen's page, you'll see all the events we've put in her um, in her page for the events in Victoria and the events in um, New Zealand. And that's so, all Kate's very good work. Thank you, Kate. Well, that's all right. I but wouldn't it's be so, able to do it on my own. No, it's just important because <laughs> it just helps people to get organised and they can easily see it. So rather than having a big list, I thought, no, we'll put them as events. Yeah, and, and some of those events are really filling up. I think the New Plymouth Seroptimus Lunch, they said they're, they're going like uh, hotcakes and the Auckland event with the very famous Casketeers. Yeah. That's filling up too. That's so exciting. So, so yeah. if you are interested in these events, do, do register. Do register, yeah. Because yeah. they will sort of sell out even though they're they're all free, aren't they? They're all free yeah. except, for, except the for the lunch. lunch. And yes. that's a fundraiser for kids in need. So I'm really pleased to be behind that. Yeah. And yeah. what did that word mean? I remember Googling it, seroptimist. Was well, it's all, to do with women's... Yeah, it, they're... International businesswomen, basically. Yeah, they've been going for years and years. That's such a cool name. I love it. Um, So a quick checkup from my end. Not too much been happening other than um, I've been reading again Frankenstein because my daughter Emmy was away, so she took it with her. This is off Emmy's reading list. So I've been reading, I've been shadow reading all my daughter's literature and English books this year. So I've made some good progress back into Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. And God, it's good. And I just can't believe it's written by a woman back in that time who has such insight into science and men and the world. And I'm just saying that in the sense that, God, she must have overcome so much to get that knowledge. Like, it's just, it's amazing me that it's written by a woman when to be a woman writer must have been almost... Well, a lot of them had to give themselves men's I names, know. didn't they? And Mary like Shelley George didn't. Elliot. So I'm kind of, I'm excited to finish reading it and then to, to learn a bit more about her mm-hmm. and how the hell did she achieve this book that's obviously so well known and it's really creepy and I've been having nightmares oh, really? after I read Aww. it. It's really creepy in a, in a cool way, like it's scary. Mm-hmm. It's good, I really mm-hmm. like it. Um, another quick shout out. This is a bit random, but I'm loving this so much. I listen to Audible, which is yep. audiobooks when I walk. And I got a re- recommendation recently. The, there's a band called Beastie Boys. They've been, a, they're, yeah, they're, I've heard you of know, them. Yeah, yeah, white yeah. hip hop boys from New York, basically, yep. big in the 80s and probably yep. 90s. And then, they're, but they're very well known. They have written a book. One of them died. So there's three original members Adam Yauk, Adam Horowitz, and Mike D. So Mike D and Adam Horowitz, who are still alive because Adam Yelk died of cancer, um, have written a book about their, I nearly said the J word, their experience, um, you know, being youth in New York and the music scene. And, oh, my God, it is some of the best descriptive writing because I don't usually read nonfiction that I've ever heard. Just painting such a vibrant picture of what it was like to even have to listen to music in New York when all you had was cassettes and radio and just explaining the different... And I remember going to New York in the 80s and it was actually a very grungy, gritty, yeah. quite dangerous city, yeah. you know. It was yeah. a very different place from what it is today. So that would be interesting it's too. It's a really, really cool book. I'm, I'm enjoying it so much. So it's a huge recommendation. Even if you're not into hip-hop or music, um, I think it's so well described that it's just interesting anyway. I'm putting my hand on your knee, <laughs> not in a provocative way, but because I know you've had, we're moving on into oh, the clinic yes. now. Yeah, we are. That's and true. Look, Kate and her daughter, you've had a yes. big, yeah. well, two weeks, Correct. really. So tell yeah. us about Milo. Yeah, let's talk about that. So I couldn't, I didn't talk about this last week because my daughter was away mm. just on the off chance that she sort of found out. But unfortunately, um, my cat Milo 
unexpectedly had to be put down only about two or three days after Emmy left. So I was by myself. And to be honest, that was always one of my biggest fears as a single woman is coping with something very stressful by yourself. So one of those, it was like a bad fear. And Milo was so loved by me and Emmy. He's our little pet. He was our, that's our family. How old was he? Only seven. Mm. And what happened? So basically I went to feed him in the morning and usually he'd always be at the door meowing like a hundred times out of a hundred. He wasn't. So he was by the other door and he was making a strange meow and I could smell urine, like cat wee, and I thought that's odd. And just straight away I could see that something was very wrong with him. And I could see eventually that his whole back, his back legs were paralysed and he'd weed on his fur. I could see that he'd struggled with the litter. There was litter mess everywhere and his meow was wrong. There was something wrong. He was in distress. Did you take him to the vet straight away? I did. The vet was only just about to be open. I was really flustered but I panicked and got upset because I think I knew something was quite wrong but I got it together got it got him to the vet as soon as they were open and I rang them on the way to say I'm coming and Milo's not okay and look the vet was great but essentially he just took Milo's temperature felt his heart and immediately explained that his heart was a problem actually he said that it was making a whooshing sound instead of a crisp Mm. beat Mm. and just in that moment as soon as it was all registering in my head I said straight away is it recoverable and he said no and I said is he in pain and he said yes and I said okay let's let's deal with that Mm. now because he was kind of explaining to me what we could do is you could take him to the emergency center in this place and that one I thought no I'm not going to do all that if it's not recoverable Mm. and if he's in pain oh and just yeah so it was awful it happened so quickly and with Emmy away and Honestly, something happening to Milo was like one of my biggest fears. Um, so it was a horrible moment and I, it was like I had Tourette's. I could not stop. I, the poor vet, I swore so much. I just kept dropping oh. F-bombs and going, mm. shit. Because I was so like, what? Am I facing this decision now? Like I'm supposed to be having a cup of tea in bed right now. It just happened so quickly. Yeah. Yeah. And poor little Milo. I took a few photos of his little face as, the, as I understood. You're saying goodbye now to him. Because he was in pain and he was distressed, I just wanted it to be over for him. I didn't like it. Um, And then next thing I know, the vet comes back in, hot cradling Milo, who was no longer alive. And I sort of made a quick decision to get his ashes sent back, which I realised would arrive as my daughter arrived back. Mm. So, look, it happened really quickly. And I was really – it really hit me for six. I know. I know. I could tell by the messages. I was really, really upset. And when I get upset, I did the same thing when my marriage ended. I just have to talk to people. (laughs) I get – I'm like – I know a lot of people the opposite. I almost can't remember. Like I called my sister. I I went to my neighbour's house and we just talked it out and talked it out until I kind of got equilibrium back. That's how I kind of manage shock is just... Well, that's very healthy. I think that's wonderful. It's a way of getting support. I do wonder what the other people on the other end must be thinking sometimes. Oh, no, I think that is so legitimate. And I really felt for you because you've spoken about Milo so often. Look, he's my little... He was my little... Because I work from home, you know, he was always around. And I now realise what a possessive thing he was because now that he's not here... And my other cat, Forrest, has a chance to actually access me. I realised Milo was always next to me, near me, sitting on my desk, mm. begging Your for alpha food. alpha male. Oh, he was very dominant <laughs> and he was a ridiculous cat. He was quite a quirky 
personality, but I loved him really fiercely. Yeah. Like it was a big love. I know. I and, know. you know, I will admit secretly, and I'm sure Emmy, Emmy has seen this, my daughter, but I would just sometimes like to say good. I treated him like a baby. I'm sure you're not supposed to do this. I would carry him downstairs oh, from my bed to bed. Oh. I would just nuzzle his very furry little face, oh. body face in my face. Like probably not what you're supposed to do with a cat, but I just, I love that little bit on yeah. his nose here and I would just nuzzle yeah. right up. I just loved the crap out of him. And how has your daughter taken it? Well, look, it's it was tricky. Emmy's 16 and I think it's so easy to forget what it's like at that age. I would say... I didn't. Ex- I expected just what I did—a flood of tears and wanting to talk and reminisce. But she's very different to me. She went probably a bit more internal. In fact, I got even a sense she pulled away a little bit from mm. me, and mm. I maybe felt a bit of anger. And I think the anger was because she wasn't there. Because I immediately thought, "Oh, I'm glad she wasn't there. She didn't have to see him like that." But the first thing she said was, "I wasn't there for him." Mm. Mm. So I think she felt sad that she wasn't there. And I think she's taking a long time to get her head around it. Mm. She's told me that she's feeling sad and she went off that first. She's been staying at lots of friends' houses. She's doing it her way. She's doing it her way. And this is really interesting because Mm. I've had a lot of radio interviews lately and they're all asking me about how children experience grief. And Em's not, well, she's on the cusp between being a child and an adult. And what you're describing is so typical you know Mm. and and they say the best way to help is to encourage her to tell it to you how she's feeling acknowledge her feelings and acknowledge that she's experiencing it in a different way from you are it's probably her first experience of death up close it is she obviously knows about mum's death but that's a that's a A memory she was born into yeah she didn't experience it and I think this is where pets and cats are such wonderful teachers because yeah. they do teach our young people and us sometimes how f- frail life is and how precious it uh-huh. is. And they're they are teaching us that life is about letting go and you have to experience this pain and let it go through you. Yeah. Because that, if you don't, it's just going to stay stuck in your heart and make you sick. So you have to experience this pain but then the great art is to let it go and I think we Mm. have different ways of doing that yeah and that's what Em's doing at the moment she's trying to work out her way of doing it it's not your way she's certainly at that age where she won't (laughs) want any advice from you that's true and I've been trying to I'm mistakenly well as a parent we all know we try things and we think we're doing the right thing I was trying to I've kept talking about him and I pointed out his paw prints on the car and I've, when I got the ashes from the vet, I was like, do you want to hold them? She's like, no, mum, like you're being a weirdo. And she's virtually <laughs> told me that I was rubbing it in her face and yeah. I felt really hurt by that because I was not trying to rub it in her face. No. I was trying to help her to connect, but you're right. She's at an age where she wants to forge her way of yeah. dealing and with I don't this. know if you feel ready to share this, but mm. you told me of a very similar experience you had with your dad when you're you went to see your mum the last time oh yeah that was full oh well that's right and I hated that so when my mum died I mean I know I don't want to trivialize mum's death by comparing it to Milo's death but it was similar in the sense that I'd been away Emmy was having the time of her life in her most to date probably biggest experience of life which was this northern uh, this central Australia trip she was on so she was literally on a high 
as was I, because when my mum died, I was having the time of my life in Japan. First time I was away from home and then I got thrust into this horrible world where my mum had died and everyone was days ahead of me. And that's one thing Emmy said. She said, mum, you're two weeks ahead of me. Mm, Give me a chance. Mm, gosh, I talk felt, about echoes I know, from the past. it's bizarre. I felt yeah. the same with mum's death, this horrible sense that Paul, Adam, Jane and dad were all in an distance mm. that was not able to be caught up mm. by knowing three days ahead that I lost my mum. So when it came to mum's funeral, I wasn't ready. I remember saying to dad, I'm not ready. I don't want to go. There was this horrible, because we're Catholic, this rosary or whatever they bloody call it. I hated it so much. It was called, a, I think it was a viewing. It was some Christian practice before the funeral where basically you got to see her open casket. Mm. And it, for some people that can be a really healing thing. I know seeing my mum in her coffin was, was really helpful, but she was older and yeah. it wasn't anything like your circumstance. No, mum was 52 and, you know, it was mm. that sense she shouldn't have been of there. Course. And it was the horror. But that, that day, that it wasn't the funeral, it was this, this day before thing. Um, for once, I didn't want to be there. I hated it. I could hear the sound of wailing. I always remember my auntie's wailing and mm. it was just this horrible sound. I didn't want to be there. Dad is in that moment grabbing me and saying, Kate, tell your mother you love her and I just felt like saying that's not my mum this is a dead body in a car I didn't mm. want to go near it I saw it as an it mm. so it was so traumatizing for me and I remember poor dad saying tell her he was determined in that moment you must tell mum you love her and in the end I wouldn't and in the end he said I think he was holding me and he said Jan Kate loves you in this horrible shaky voice he was mm. loud and I just mm. remember hating all of it but of course I look back now and I'm I'm glad dad said that I mean he needed to obviously say that and I didn't have a voice in that moment no. and God bless him for actually having that determination in that moment to try at least to connect me yeah I wasn't ever yeah. going to be ready you know my sister was able to kiss mum's forehead and touch her and I couldn't go near it because yeah they are very different when our body is a very different thing the person isn't there it's like a shell yeah. Especially because mum had injuries. Yeah, and that would you, are you me. willing to share with our listeners how your mum died? Absolutely. Um, so, mum basically took her own life, um, which I talked about. And the way she did that was she she drove to a, a bridge, which was over an, an overpass over the freeway near where we uh, lived. And so she um, plunged to her death on the freeway. I actually don't know to be honest, where exactly she landed, whether she landed in the... There would have been three lanes on each side. I don't know where. What time of day was it, Kate? I think it was 10 a.m. on a mm. Sunday oh. in 2000. So the traffic, there would have been witnesses, there would have been traffic. Yeah. To be honest, I don't know whether I've been protected from the truth or whether it serves any purpose to know the exact details but I know that there are humans walking around on this planet that saw my mother's last mm. moments and mm. perhaps was a near miss I don't know but all of that to me was summarized in that fear of that coffin because yes. that was facing yeah. and you were young I was I read, 21 I read something recently you know we are like eggs and when we're young the shell is very thin and mm. so if something terrible happens to us and we're dropped we splash all over the floor <laughs> and you were young yeah and as we get older our shell gets a little bit thicker. And so even though we have cracks and we can still be smashed, it takes more, you know, because mm. of we 
do get wisdom as time well, passes. Well, that's true. You know? Yeah, 21 was young and I was Terribly off in young. that other land. You were a little thin-shelled egg. Yeah, I was and it was it was intense. It was a public death. It was horrifically... Mm. You know, I felt yeah. the same about Sam. Yeah. People had seen it and I had this sort of nightmare thing. I wanted to know who had Did witnessed you? it. Yes, where the driver was and the ambulance driver said to Steve my then husband you Mm. know I'm sorry your son has passed away those words still make me quite angry you know so these traumatic moments in our lives Mm. they do stay with us Mm -hmm. forever Mm -hmm. and you know Sam and Rob had just walked over a bridge and I've walked over that bridge and one day when you're ready Mm. I would love to walk with you over your mum's bridge Mm. because they are just bridges I know it's so full-on because it's obviously to me become this huge symbol I mean I pass under that bridge quite regularly I've I've had to train myself not to avoid it um but it it of course isn't I want to scream out it's not just a bridge it's the place my mother exited this life under Mm -hmm. horrific you know she would have been in a horrible dark cloud of depression um but you're right it is just a bridge it's 20 years we can go there i know you can go there when you're ready though yeah well for me it was a really it was a strange experience walking over sam's bridge because like you i would go around the block do anything in fact one of the reasons i left wellington was to avoid that bridge and then as the years passed i realized that bridge didn't harm me it wasn't me or mm. it, you know it it wasn't that bridge it was my feelings about it and so mm. I was surprised actually walking across it Kate really it wasn't that big a deal yeah right and once I'd done it it was like I'd put a whole lot of stuff to one side and it was really helpful mm. and see in your case that was an accident so there was a person involved who directly and there was a wonderful man who actually held Sam as he oh. died so I it took me about 15 God. years he wrote to me before I even knew that man existed. Arthur. Arthur Judge from Christchurch. So, you know, these things, they stay with you. Mm. And look, it ultimately makes our lives richer. We learn better how to live. And when you know that we're all going to die one yeah. day, it's all passing, you do appreciate every moment. I was reading a story to my grandkids the other night, and it was one of those technical things about the body and it said your veins and arteries can be wrapped around the world twice really imagine that we have that much of a miracle amazing we survive six months let alone you know 80 years if we're lucky no you're absolutely right and look hearing you say that about arthur you know i kind of do want to know someone i bet your mum had an arthur all right, I hope they, so. She would have, because how else would the traffic have stopped? Oh, how else would they have gotten See, I've been either protected or, oh, I don't know, even. There's a lot about mum's death that we don't speak about in my family. So, that's all right. But that's how they deal with it. Well, there's a police officer slash officers who are at the scene. Mm. That They're there. Mm. I, I've never spoken to them mm. or know. I don't even know which police station. There's a lot I don't know. Mm. Um the coroner's office and look it's 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 great to talk to you about this because it's this bizarre thing that we have a a shared story about a bridge and a tragedy (laughs) and we're both writing so look you know back to little cute milo you're right i think there's a 
interesting parallel with this how it happened for Emmy and it is her first grief um so what a great yeah gift Milo has given oh, her you just know. yeah she just there's a real pure love that Emmy had for Milo and mm. you know she was there when we chose him and I think yeah it's going to be it's going to impact her mm-hmm. um the same way her trip to Central Australia has clearly impacted her she's come back a little bit more grown up I can just mm. tell <laughs> and you can be sure she's talking to her friends about it you know it's her grief it's her well, she did catch. say mum my cat died don't you get it? And I was like, isn't it my There you go. Yeah. <laughs> oh, dear. So, yeah, it was, look, it was a crappy thing to happen. It really yeah. hit me for six. Oh, and I just, yeah. I still think there's that little girl part of me that, with that thin shell that doesn't like death. And I know that's that, it's oh, that look, hissy fit sort of human, I like, I don't want to deal with this. I know. I've been the same. I and it. look, I have, up till recently, I've avoided funerals as much as I possibly could. But yeah. I, my attitude has changed now. Yeah. And I would have been so happy if you'd brought my yeah, ashes. I was and, planning to, but I because got... Because funerals are about telling stories. They're yeah. storytelling. Yeah. And once you turn something painful and horrible and hurtful into a story, it starts to make sense. And when you oh listen to someone's life story, even if some of them are <laughs> some of them are told by idiots who didn't really know the person properly at all, it, it's really enriching. So now when I get a chance, yeah, I go to a funeral. They're great. Yeah. Well, it's interesting too, and this is something we've touched on. And I know that you know in connecting my recent story, but just then about that memory of dad and mum's body and how I mean I hated mum's funeral is what I'm trying to say I hated it I really really hated it for so many reasons one because I don't connect to the catholic religion and that was a part of it and look there's just so many reasons why I hated that funeral I wasn't ready I didn't want my mum to be dead who's ever ready well exactly god it was just horrific but you know I think there's this little idea that's sitting on the horizon at the moment with mum's 20th anniversary next year and some sort of ceremony and I think that's kind of find its way into my book and I think that good this This is what I've been hoping for yeah Yeah. I'm starting to see it I'm starting to realize that some sort of a ceremony for mum that is connected with my heart now would be beautiful because if I had a chance to say goodbye to mum now of course I would kiss her forehead and of course I would do that I mean I would never not take that opportunity yeah but I wasn't ready but of course now I would do anything yeah. to have that moment back. So I can even realise how beautiful it was that Dad forced me. Jan, <laughs> <laughs> Kate loves you, like in that horrible way. But I actually realised that was so beautiful that he did that. I should thank him. That's a good start. I've never thanked That's him for that. That's a good start yeah. to opening some kind of dialogue yeah, around Yeah, poor it. old Dad. God, it would be so hard for him. And at the time, I was so mad at him for saying that. Isn't that horrible? Oh, well, you're young. You're young. It's your version of it's my cat. (laughs) So true. (laughs) So there you go. It's so true. I need to thank Dad. And we talked about making the time to thank people and write letters. You know, I know how much that would mean to Dad for me to thank him on what must have been the most difficult day. And it's funny. I'm sitting here going, I hated the funeral. Dad got up. And spoke about mum. At the time, I remember thinking, this is all wrong. You're saying it wrong and you're not saying what I want you to say. I just look back now and think how goddamn brave yes. of him yes. to be able to stand up at all and say anything. Yeah. You know, so I am going to put that on my to-do list to thank dad and say, God, Wonderful. you were brave. Wonderful. 
You know, because if I have to redo her funeral, it's not because he did anything wrong or anyone else did. Everyone was trying, weren't they? Mm. <laughs> You're smiling. No, yeah. I'm just so thrilled. This no, feels like too. a wonderful breakthrough. It does, doesn't mm. it? It really and does. And of course I would have loved to be able to be like my sister in that moment and touch mum. I was just, I hadn't processed the horror of no. the shock. That's no, all. No, it wasn't because I didn't love her. No. I did love her. Of course I do love her. So, I hear from lots of people who are going through grief and suicide is really oh, one of the worst ones because yeah. it's tied up with so many other emotions, guilt, anger, yep. all of the above. A hundred percent. Yeah. It's very so hard it's to grieve. massive. Yeah. yeah. It's complex grief. It is. Yeah. But it's funny in talking about all this, Milo, suddenly it's like, that's not complex grief. You know, this was this little fatty, fluffy cat who we bloody loved. I mean, I, my theory about cats is they're like a little spirit of the house. And Milo was a weird personality. He was possessive, a little bit of a bully. He was ridiculous. He was a little bit dumb, I think. Like he was. He wasn't bright. He just just did stupid things. I'd leave the back door open for him and he'd you know, climb up onto the roof and meow at me from my window to let him in. I'm just like, the back door's open, oh, Milo. You're very... Had to be his way. Oh, my so God. So you're doing a little ceremony for him because I do think ritual yeah. is a meaningful way, particularly for kids, younger people, if yeah. it's something that she feels she's contributed to. Yeah, well... That's not just what you've thought up because that would yes, be wrong. Correct. <laughs> well, she's already given a good idea. My brother Adam had a good idea about... Because I, I got his ashes for the purpose of, you know, thinking of Emmy, basically. But then I kept thinking, I can't throw Milo into the sea at Oliver's Hill. He'd hate that. Oh, he would. His claws would go up and he wouldn't want to go in the water at all. So my brother suggested a (laughs) pot plant. Um, So I kept that idea and then I thought, if we get a big one, we can always take it with us. Um, When I suggested it to Emmy, she immediately suggested a cactus, which is very on-brand for Milo because he was a little bit hostile (laughs) sometimes. No so, sharp claws. Yeah, sharp claws. So I think that a, a, a slightly funny looking cactus is a perfect choice. So I'm going to let Emmy. That's beautiful. Choose it. Yeah. Oh, great. She'll love that. Yeah. Maybe she can invite some of her friends around. To, well, even just acknowledge that the yeah, cactus is there. Exactly. Yeah. So I better make sure I find a good hardy one that I can support. Well, they don't need much water, do they? No. So I remember I had a miscarriage a long, long time ago and I wasn't making sense, but probably because of the hormones and stuff. Yeah. But we had a little ceremony, ritual, where we took a bunch of roses and em- to a beautiful spot just out of Auckland where there was a waterfall mm. and emptied the petals over That's the waterfall beautiful. and watched them going down the stream. And that oh. was a form of release. That's gorgeous. I think so- at some level we're very primitive beings and we there i guess that's another form of storytelling to see yeah. these rose petals i can still see them drifting that's beautiful away. see i'd like something like that for mum maybe for yes. next year we've got to start i've got to start connecting with my family and, and yeah building maybe talking about yeah see what their ideas yeah, are because that's a lovely idea mum loved gerberas that was her very 90s flower oh, i always think it was a 90s flower but bright color yeah she loved gerberas so something like that but that's nice to start thinking of that I because think. you said there was a very hurt what's on her her grave at the oh, moment and again it's not i'm not dissing dad it, dad's quite you know he's got a strong catholic faith so mm-hmm. he's he's put on her grave what he thinks is right which is the catholic perspective on suicide is that it's a sin Right, So the message on mum's grave says, Jesus, have mercy on her soul. And I don't like that Mm. because I don't think, I don't believe 
Mm. It's a sin. Mm. I don't believe in sin and I don't I feel like it's admonishing. So yeah. but I, I respect and understand Dad's yeah. thoughts in putting that phrase on. Do you think he'd be open to having that readdressed now? I don't think so because his faith is pretty sort of solid. I mean, I guess I can talk to him about it. I, I've always just thought, without disrespecting Dad, that when he dies, we'll just pop a fresh one on there mm. <laughs> because mm. Dad's going to be mm. in the same plot as Mum, which he's quite proud of. He loves talking about that. <laughs> but he he's since remarried, hasn't yeah, he? Yeah, so it'll have still... to be a triple no. <laughs> it's, it's a bit controversial. Oh. Uh, we're all like, no, no, no. It's going to be Mum and Dad. Sorry. Oh. Um, because you book them in advance. He's very yes, proud. To, yeah, he's very proud. He loves saying that. He's like proud as if he's booked his real estate for the next yeah. life. Anyway, yeah. I, I've always just assumed that when dad passes away, we will redo mums probably mm. with dads together as a double banger. And yeah. I would be advocating to get rid of that phrase. But I've got to check in with my yeah. siblings. They might. Yes, because if they not feel, agree. Well, if they feel the same way as you do about that inscription. It might be possible to change it a bit sooner. Oh, I'd love to change yeah. it sooner. Because, um, you know, 20 years, your dad's thoughts might have moved on. Maybe. I, like, it sounds so silly and simple. I should just discuss it with Dad. Yeah. I've never mentioned it to him that I hate it. Well, you've got a wonderful opening with thanking him. Well, that's exactly true. Mm. And because next year's this 20th anniversary and yeah. we can start having these positive conversations and maybe I can find out some of that missing information. Yeah. Like about... Police. There'll be some he- heroes out there. Oh, see, that makes me want to meet them. And I've always been so afraid of that scene. And I'm sure you relate to it. It's a nightmare. You don't want to face it. You mm. don't want it coming into your head. But you're right. Maybe there are some people who could share with me and connect me to that moment. Mm. I was not there. Mm. You know, I was in Japan mm. and I'd, yeah. I'd love to know if anyone was there that comforted yeah, her. There will be someone, I bet. Or just respected her yes. somehow in that moment. Yeah. 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 That that's a kind of an interesting thought. And that how, that changes the whole scene of the bridge too and the whole feeling of it. Yeah. You know? So these are big things. They are big things. But okay. you know, I think it's part of that letting go that I was talking about. I think mm. if if you hold on to that twenty year old pain, which is very legitimate yeah. pain it's going to be very hard for you to move forward. Yeah. But if if you can somehow let it sluice through you as a 40-year-old woman now mm. with a daughter, yep. um, it it will free you, I think. Mm. You'll never lose no, it. No, But you'll be able to move forward, I think, more freely. Yeah. Well, thank you. That is so um, – we didn't quite 100% know what we – we knew we were going to talk about Milo today, but that was a really – I love your face, Helen, just beaming. She's like, look what I did in my clinic. Um, but I want to just for the readers before we finish up, just quickly ask, could you please tell us the story of how Jonah came into your life? Because I know for those who caught up with last week's episode, Helen has written a children's book about Jonah, which is oh. – well, I still haven't heard that from the publisher. Well, exactly. She might be thinking well, it's absolute crap. And well, I'm happy with that too. Either way, it's still exciting. But could you tell us a little bit about how <sighs> Jonah came into your life? Because well, I don't know the story. Oh, well, um, I just had a mastectomy. I was in bed feeling terribly sorry for myself and in pain. And my sister, Mary, yeah. came over from New Zealand yeah. to look after me. Oh, and one nice. day she went for a walk and she said, oh, I saw something lovely today. I said, what? (laughs) I won't tell you. (laughs) I'm just walking backwards. (laughs) Yeah, I know. (laughs) 
And uh, she said, oh, I've just walked past that pet shop down the road and there's a really cute little kitten in there. <laughs> I said, right. So I couldn't stand up straight because oh, no. I was... <laughs> she got her to drive me down there and I hobbled into the pet shop and there was this lunatic in this cage full of kittens. He was bouncing <laughs> off all the other kittens like they were trampolines and oh, scrabbling up it. the wire. And he fixed me with those big blue eyes of his and put his paw through the wire and touched me. I thought, oh my goodness, I'm chosen. <laughs> I love that. That's so cute. Oh. And you got him then and there with Mary? Uh, or you went back and... wait, because he actually had a bit of a waiting list because lots of people had fallen for him. I said, oh, I've, got, I've had cancer. <laughs> <laughs> I have scars. <laughs> yes. Oh, gosh, but, so you yeah. secured him. Yeah, but very quickly regretted it because he was so full on. Was he? Yeah, Just and even now he'll trouble. still spray. If, I'm, if I offend him, he'll spray around the house. You know. <laughs> he, he's a very full on cat, full of beauty and charm. but <gasps> He's very elegant. He's elegant and he knows it. <laughs> so funny. I'll quickly share how we chose Milo because it feels – well, I definitely chose him, but basically – Long story short, it was it was the four it was the three of us then me, Emmy, and my and my ex, and I I was the one doing the mission to find Milo. Bruce, my ex, had had a hip operation, so he was kind of incapacitated at home. And his only instruction was make it a boy. He wanted a boy to to okay. balance out, you know, right. me and Emmy yeah, yeah, and him yeah, and a boy. Yeah. So that was my only instruction was a boy. I hadn't been to I went down to the RSPCA in Pearsdale, which I hadn't done for years and years and years. So it was essentially a rescue cat. Um, but that day with Emmy, Emmy would have been about nine. I just wasn't connecting to any of the kittens. I sort of thought I went through this whole section and I said, if I don't feel like it's right, we're not going, we're going to leave. And I just, I don't know why, but I didn't connect with any of them. And I was about to go. And then I realized there was another little area. I went to that other little area and we saw Milo. He was called Otto at the time, Otto or Otto. Um, but I just absolutely zeroed in on him there was same thing there was another young couple circling and I thought go away he's mine (laughs) and I just kind of quickly snaffled like had this absolute laser focus I want that one that that one there yes yes. white paws that one those people are bending over yeah I I just saw something in him I don't know it's like no none of the other cats that day registered with me and so I've got this little photo of Emmy at nine holding Milo who's kind of pushing off her but they're looking at each other. It's so oh, cute. Really? I'll pop it in the group. Oh, I'll do that. Yeah. Absolutely do that. Oh, well, thank you. Gosh, that was very emotional. But I actually feel so much better about Milo, weirdly, just by going into those really yeah. tough memories about mum's death. Yeah. Yeah. Milo was a blessing. At the end of the day, we had the funniest, cutest cat for seven years. Very short innings. But you know what? I wouldn't swap it for anything. He was so cute, Milo. Fantastic. Absolutely loved him. Um, now, very quickly, I just wanted to touch base on our Planet Social, which we didn't get to last week, but very quickly, there is some breaking news with Facebook in the world of social. So as most of you will know who are on Instagram, Instagram has hidden likes for most of us. So you can see them yeah, yourself. Yeah, but I noticed that. Yeah, so apparently Facebook are now going to do that in Australia only, mm-hmm. oh. although it hasn't started for me. Um, but I think it's starting to keep us sane and not have FOMO. Yes, Mm. that's what they say. Right. Mm. But there's a lot of people who think there might be a more commercial reason for this. So yeah, publicly, I think that it's about the fact that they're trying to say, we want to make sure that social media does not have a negative impact on mental health. I do. I do happen to believe just a hunch that Mark Zuckerberg 
would not like his product being associated with poor mental health. Mm -hmm. I don't think that was what he ever set out to do. And I think he might be pretty reasonably horrified to think, I've created this thing that's Mm. bad for the self-esteem of young Mm. people. So I think that might be genuine. But the other reason may be that it might be somehow to do with the algorithm and ads. And I reckon they're hiding likes so that people forget that engagement's dropping and still use the platform. Maybe that's a bit cynical, but there you go. So it's going to be interesting to see. And I wonder why they're choosing Australia. According to the statement by Facebook, it's because we have a digitally savvy audience. Okay. We're we're the guinea pigs. And that includes you in New Zealand, I'm sure. Possibly. I think it's Mm. just Australia for this, for this particular rollout, but Mm. let's see. Uh, But yes, New Zealand, we think you're savvy. So that's all that matters. So there you go. That's news from the world of, of, cyberspace um and i see you've got a word count down there i do yes it's funny it hasn't changed much over the That's last all right. few no, weeks don't worry about that but i've written a lot it's but quality I've, not quantity well what i've and i'll quickly update one more thing which is being good i've actually i had a nice little catch-up with a woman called muriel from my writers group and after that catch-up with muriel who has written two manuscripts she said she just writes in little spurts so i went home and I rejigged my little weekly schedule guide and I'm trying to now write more often with less at a time because I think it's going to make me feel like I'm seeing progress and we need to get that overall arch working next time you know because once you've got the structure in place it'll be easier yes so maybe you'll feel more confident about where you're heading yeah but it's starting to feel a bit better and basically I've been reworking that first scene I'm just reworking the stuff I've shown you previously but I'm feeling a stronger connection to our characters so maybe we'll touch on yeah, this another next time week. yeah well we'll have Phoebe with us but yeah oh yes yes so should we oh let... well we were only ever going to do eight episodes I know. <laughs> we're rollicking on but yes. oh, yeah very good so there okay. you go everyone we hope Wonderful. that you yeah and where can people get a copy of um Cleo and Rob is it just available in I think good it's online in lots of shops yeah. or advertising it you could order it online I think um but yeah it should be in just normal bookshops I think <laughs> so look out for it we'd love to see photos if you buy it or see it out oh, please that's post a nice idea. Yeah, yeah please post um either to our group or just post it and tag Helen's page that would fabulous. be that would be fabulous. fabulous. Yeah. yeah. So okay. it is. It's been a big week. And it's been quite a clinic. It's been quite a clinic. I think I'll let you off homework this week. Thank you. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that sounds like a good idea. All right. Well, we'll see you next time. Yeah, we have our special guest, Phoebe. Yes. Um, and then Helen's off in a whirlwind of excitement. So we'll let you know what's happening after next week. But we yep. might have a bit of a break. But, um, yeah, so thank okay. you for that. Well, that was really, I don't know the word. It was just um, really helpful. Good. So, yeah, I hope it was for some listeners Good. too. Yeah. yeah. Well, it is called novel therapy and that was a form of novel therapy. There'll be a wait list for you soon. <laughs> all right. Well, we'll see you all next time, everyone, and have a good week. Yeah. Bye. Bye.